snapped those long, slender fingers from her filter tips. Now, it was all I could do to stand by the bed and hold her hand, while Jean Payne, our family doctor, ranted at her about her smoking. I'd known Jean since we were in Girl Scouts together. She could probably still fit in her brownie uniform. Five foot two, slender, with thick, wavy, dark hair, she somehow managed to cut an imposing figure in her white lab coat. Maybe it was the bifocals she wore on the bridge of her nose. Or the fact that she'd finished Emory Medical School at 26, first in her class, youngest, brightest, shortest. You've got a spot on your right lung, Edna, she said, getting right to the point. Your pulmonary capacity is roughly that of a tubercular 90-year-old coal miner. All your symptoms point to the early signs of emphysema. Edna winced and squeezed my hand. You want me to quit smoking? Jean shrugged. She could be merciless if circumstances merited it. Only if you want to stick around for another few years to spend your kid's inheritance. Edna tried to laugh, but the chuckle disintegrated into a spasm of coughing. There's a woman your age in a room two doors down from here, Jean continued. She's being discharged tomorrow, same as you. But she's going home with a portable oxygen tank, going to be hooked up to a breathing mask and a canister of oxygen 24 hours a day. That's the best we can do for her. She looked sternly down at Edna. Is that what you want? Edna sighed. No, no oxygen tank. I'll try, okay? Jean crossed her arms over her chest, hugging the clipboard with Edna's chart. Trying's not going to make it this time, Edna, she said, her attitude softening just a smidge. The pneumonia has weakened your heart muscles. We're going to release you tomorrow, but I want you back in my office next week. You're a good candidate for those new nicotine patches, and I've also got the names of some smoking cessation programs I can give you. Later on, when you're stronger, we want to run some more tests on that heart of yours. I can go home. Edna leaned her head back on her pillow and closed her eyes. For the first time, I noticed the blue veins in her lids, the tiny network of wrinkles radiating out from the corners of her eyes. When had she gotten so old? Tomorrow, Jean said. You've been here a week with no cigarettes, so you've got a head start on quitting, right? I never liked you, Edna said, not bothering to open her eyes. Go away and let me sleep. I followed Jean out into the hallway. She's really sick, huh? She's a lot better than she was, Jean said. But I meant what I said about the smoking. You live with her. Can't you get her to quit? How long have you known us? I asked. Jean pursed her lips and thought about it. Second grade, right? More than 30 years. She grinned. You're right. Nobody makes Edna Mae Garrity do anything. She's scared this time, I pointed out. You notice she didn't say she wouldn't quit. That's a first. That had been on Friday. Now it was Saturday. My sister Maureen and her no-account husband had volunteered to bring Edna home from the hospital. 
My brother Kevin had been transferred to San Diego in September, and baby and sister had arrived with all the makings for dinner. Maureen had installed Edna on the living room sofa, swathed her with quilts, and was now lining up her array of medicine bottles on the coffee table. Can we put those somewhere else? I asked, irritated that Maureen had once again taken over my house. She needs to see her medicine so she can remember to take them all, Maureen snapped, plumping a pillow behind Edna's head. Steve, Maureen's husband, who had ensconced himself in my favorite overstuffed chintz armchair, nodded rapidly in agreement, holding the remote control out at the television, flipping rapidly through the channels. I'm not helpless, Edna snapped. Put the damn pill bottles in my room, Maureen. We're not setting up a clinic in here. I'm just trying to help, Maureen said, tears rising in her eyes.